Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Together B2B Technology Marketing Podcast. Michaela Rial and Claire Davidson, our media director and head of strategy and planning, have been talking to Laura Milstead, the global advertising director from the Financial Times. Today, we're going to be talking about CMO challenges and content effectiveness. We discuss the type of contents that help build brand trust and the role of content strategy and content effectiveness onto the podcast. So that there's been a lot of discussion uh, at the moment about um, short-termism of marketing. It's a quote from from your recent report, which actually talks about the, the brand value makes up 25% of a company's intangible assets, which in turn contribute 84% of market value. So it shows the long-term value brand has. And uh, I thought it'd be an interesting discussion to start with is to look at why we feel marketeers are um, focusing more on the short-term impact. It's a challenge, I think, across all sectors, actually. I don't think it's a unique to, to any particular sector. From my personal perspective, having interacted and spoken to CMOs and senior marketeers, um, I think it's just uh, pressure. I think it's bottom line pressure. I think it's pressure on, on profit. And while there seems to be a sentiment that senior marketeers do understand the value and investment uh, of long-term brand support. It's just not translating through. And I think that, for me, that is driven by, as I said, a desire and a need and the pressures probably from the CEO camp um, to deliver the short-term numbers. I think historically, we also tend to see in times of economic um, unrest and certainly, certainly times of recession, um, this this seems to sharpen. So you see a, a real, historically, we have seen a real move for budgets that were maybe sat against brand suddenly being very compressed and that budget being moved towards um, demand gen, lead gen, sales driven um, marketing activities. And again, if you look at, it'd be interesting to, to to map this out maybe, it's then hard, it seems, to pull that money back. Mm-hmm. So once it's gone, um, it, it's then very hard to, to, to put that back into or build that case, even though a lot of the uh, research does point to long-term brand investment being incredibly successful and having an impact on a brand's overall profitability. And I also guess one of the you know benefits that online and you know digital marketing techniques have given marketeers and businesses over the last probably you know 10 10 to 15 years which is you know the ability to track every single action and in real time or you know to to probably a, a greater level of precision compared to traditional you know research has had a negative impact in terms of like giving marketeers agencies and and probably publishers a bit of an easier way to uh, justify certain level of investments on more short-term tactics rather than keep fighting a battle for long it is in the moment and and and, you know the, the the other aspect of that is how marketeers and businesses judge the effectiveness of marketing which as a model as not really adapted in the light of all of the innovation that you know we've seen in the last yeah, few years. And I think the challenges we we see our, our clients facing is um, just like you're saying, Laura, about budgets um, from the last recession. Budgets sort of being marketing budgets are obviously the first budgets to be under pressure. Um, so therefore, you're looking at where can you show impact, and also tenure. And and there's quite a lot of discussion around the tenure of senior roles and senior marketeers. And and the the other piece I think you were mentioning there as well was was um, from the board. It's the stakeholder and your investor pressure 
to to show the impact you're having. And I think it's probably the the multiplier effect of all of those is therefore why we're, we tend to and our clients tend to be challenged with actually it's about the results for the end of that quarter or the end of that month and then optimising against those. From a marketing point of view, it's the intangibility of being able to measure the brand and that brand value. It's, it's a combination of those factors. So I think if you look at the, so tenure is one thing. I mean, imagine any position where you go into and sort of the, you know, the, the, the backdrop to that is, well, you're lucky if you're here in two years time. That's, that's quite a pressured environment to be. The second piece is, as I said, you're sort of, you're, you know, you're being tested on quarterly results more than you ever have done before. Um, and, you know, that in itself. So I think and actually picking back up on your point, Michaela, which I think is incredibly important. We were sort of sold. We were all sold the dream of digital marketing and advertising. Um, and, you know, there's there are aspects of it that have been phenomenal and have transformed the landscape. There's no question. But I think it has taken us down a path. And I think there is there does appear and seem to be a sort of a sort of a slow paging back from that because exactly to your point, Claire, suddenly everyone went, great, we can be really accountable for absolutely every every single piece of marketing. This is what we must do. We can track every single um, click, every single impression. And that has actually, I think, over time had a detrimental effect to investment in long term brand, um, because I said there was a sort of paging back of we can report on absolutely everything. The value of the, of the reporting actually probably has to be questioned to some degree. Um, but what was abandoned was maybe those long-term brand studies, which are expensive. You know, if you're investing in brand, you tend to then invest in a long-term brand study. One other dimension linked to that is that, you know, even if I think from a media planning standpoint, from a technical skills perspective, you know, we tend to look more now for talents that are, you know, with data, with statistics, with numbers, whereas, you know, the probably more traditional skill set that you require to develop um, longer brand strategy campaigns from an agency standpoint, I think is also reflected on the client side where, you know, there is a tendency obviously to to be, you know, super data driven, technology driven with kind of a bit of a false um, illusion that you can use data as a way to get around, you know, due diligence around strategy and planning and, you know, and creativity, the role of creative, storytelling, you know. And I think the other dimension of the um, IPA study that you referenced, Claire, is one of the things that they said when they presented the data was that um, in some way there is also evidence that this obsession about, you know, precision and hyper-targeting and, you know, using creative just for, let's say, a very limited number of people is actually has in the long term a, a negative impact because you're ignoring the wider, um, you know, all of the stakeholders around that have to influence in some way that decision on uh, on a brand or technology or, or, or a service internally to the business, but also externally. It might be worth just, just going back to the element around creativity. And, you know, this almost like nowadays, this disposable creativity and what value the creative has. That There's a recent report also brought out by the IPA around creative effectiveness and how that's linked to the short termism. And actually, uh, um, a lot of the creative that's winning awards is now being seen to be less effective from driving value. There's two views of this and, I, you know, there's a personal view and I sort of tend to, you know, I'll sort of give that. And then I think it's also from maybe through the more of the lens of the Financial Times. From a personal point of view and sort of 20 plus years, I do think creativity has taken a bit of a hammering. I think sort of, you know, two decades ago, it was almost, you know, sort of launching a brand or it was a big glossy TV campaign. And, you know, you saw some amazing creativity, um, but it was also incredibly expensive. 
And so, again, it comes back to the launch of or the fragmented landscape, the digital landscape, the growth of that. And people sort of saying, you know, to my previous point, fantastic, we have Nirvana now, we can measure everything, we can data can drive the creative output, it can drive the metrics, we've, we've found everything. And I think what's been lost in all of those data points is probably true creativity, which is why I think the IPA um, effectiveness report has probably landed where it's landed. It's not to say there's great advertising out there and great creativity, but I think it's become smaller and smaller. And I think that's there's a, there's a number of factors at play. I also think that's pressures to the previous points mm-hmm. that we made, pressures and budgets. Um, but I, I do think we have gone down a path of data driving everything and while none of us sat around this table would um, would diminish the role <laughs> that data can play and the effectiveness of that absolutely is vital, there is still a huge role for creative thinking um, to look at something differently, to even analyse data differently. So I think the two can sit comfortably together, but I think we have lost a little bit of the ability to be really brave in some of the creative I mean, solutions. One, one evidence of that, and I think especially in B2B, is that probably if you ask most people, what are the you know best advertising campaigns they've seen over the last two three years? They probably don't remember even one. <laughs> I think it's a good point. I was thinking uh, yeah. about it today yeah. actually, as we were sort of thinking about you know meeting at this. It, it was it was like actually which are the the biggest campaigns you can remember you can name whether it's B two B B two C, which are those landmark? Whether it's an out of home poster, whether it's something you saw at the airport, whether it's a TV campaign. Because consumer obviously because TV tends to be a you know greater amplifier, even if let's say you might not particularly appreciate the creative but you know they become a little bit memorable for you know for you know as an effect of the, the media and the frequency b2b brands historically you know creative was very rational i think now that i think there is evidence that is kind of supporting you know the work that you know we do for example as an agency you know in terms of the role of emotions and i think you know laura and a more of a storytelling which is absolutely very important and me as you know from from a pure media planning standpoint uh, sometimes I am a little bit controversial with clients because you can have the best media plan in the world but if the creative uh, is not really really strong and uh, you know you, you're not going to achieve you know those multiplier effects that are going to you know stay in, in people's mind for a, for a long time and also you know creative for you know by media channel you know it there's there's a role you know the role that tv plays is very different to the role that radio might play is very different to social media it's very different how to so it's the context of how you consume i think that yeah i think that's been um again a little bit lost in terms of the role of each media channel and planning to to that um as effectively Mm -hmm. as possible is this going to fix the the long-term view is this going to help to moving to long term because the only way you can do that is by building the brand trust and by building a brand purpose so i think you're right I think there's a lot being talked about and written about um, around the the impact of what your brand should stand for. Um, I mean, the Business Roundtable statement that I think was published last week and it was, um, you know, the group of CEOs and the largest corporations um, in the US who were talking exactly on that topic. Um, and it's, you know, that's quite a transformational, pivotal mm. statement yeah. Yeah. to say that actually shareholder value is no longer the the key and only driving force. I mean, that really is, um, which I sort of took as twofold. A, wow, um, you know, it's the sort of thing you probably expect to maybe come out of Davos, but it was coming out of this round yeah. table and it's a really big, huge statement that we're all sort of have seen. The second point was, well, how how do you hold them? How how do you hold them to account? Mm-hmm. So I think it's very, the point being is I think we would all sit around this table and say, of course, that's a great idea, and we should all have and like to stand for a better purpose. 
And I think this is the shift that we are starting to see. And I'd certainly like to think that we are seeing where this short termism is suddenly this will be, I hope and would think, one of the drivers to starting to take this more long term approach. Because if there is a real consensus at the real top of the table, so CEOs, but CEOs from you know FTSE companies um, and the leading corporations in North America, across Europe, etc., who are saying, actually, we can and should be doing more. Um, we can argue uh, amongst ourselves how we track that and what that means. Mm-hmm. But for me, as the positive I would take on that is hopefully this might spell the end for this drastically short-term position that we have been taking. These are massive goals and objectives. And sometimes I think there could be a way to to start making progress on setting also some more tangible objectives to achieve even the short term. So if we bring back the conversation within our industry, advertising and, and, and media, I think, you know, before we touched about, you know, there's been a massive revolution on digital and, you know, in some way uh, the standards and the quality and, you know, the money has gone into areas where maybe... Um, you know, should have not gone uh, or supported, you know, a type of advertising that, you know, was not the best in terms of quality or, you know, data, privacy, respect of users. Um, You know, brand purpose of wider society is great. I think we need to be careful in terms of like, you know, helping each other uh, because it's not just about one way to to set some maybe more short-term measurable objectives around that. You know, the Edelman report is quite interesting to see that, you know, sometimes businesses are considered as one of the most trusted (laughs) institutions out there. So there is greater expectation from people that brands should act in a certain way. Were you sort of saying that that media can support in doing that by the integrity of the journalism, by by really understanding the audience and respecting who the audience is? Yeah, and also also greater scrutiny on, on cost and what you're buying. Um, more often than not, I know it might sound obvious, but you know when something is sometimes too convenient, too cheap, you know there, there could be a problem there. And publishers that have protected their users for a while, and you know they had to protect quality journalism, you know they are more expensive to work with, but for very good reasons. <laughs> Obviously, you know to protect margins, but also you know good good quality work in general cost money cost money and I, I think you know it's it would be music to my ears to a degree because i'm here representing and, and work for the financial times so you you know you would obviously naturally expect me to say that but i kind of i joined here just over two years ago and i kind of joked with the the team certainly some of the younger members of the team when i when i first joined and said gosh it's almost fashionable to work at something like the ft again because for so long it was dominated and the, and the dialogue was dominated by facebook and by google um not only in our media planning but in you know how we retain staff um the the articles we were reading and you know no one wants to see a backlash because the backlash then affects everybody um, but we do want to see a conversation um and we do want to and I, I, you know, sort of applaud what Mike is saying, but it's easier said than done sometimes. It is difficult balancing difficult client conversations. Um, you know, we're a premium brand mm-hmm. and there's a cost attached to that. Um, but we, it's also the onus on us is to demonstrate very clearly why we charge, you know, why we are a premium brand. We have access to... Um, a really discerning audience and we have to have put them at the forefront of everything that we do. Um, you know, the reader is absolutely at the forefront and if yeah. we ignore that, then suddenly our trust and our brand starts yes. to dissipate. So I think it's the values that you apply from your brand and then how that transports, you know, I'm responsible for the commercial department, um, you know, so we have a, a remit to, to ensure that we make money, um, mm-hmm. but we do it in a way that's 
is absolutely appropriate and could be held up to scrutiny, um, not only by our clients, but our readers. Um, it's incredibly important. I guess from a probably more from a um, pure media planning perspective, uh, I think it would be it would be interesting to to end on, you know, the, the more recent uh, guidelines that uh, the ICO has published on uh, on you know cookie and privacy, and that is kind of linked to you know, some of the um, elements that we we have discussed. Um, from again, you know, this is more of a, a question with with your um, FT hat on. Is um, how how would you suggest to uh, you know senior marketeers to um, adopt and you know shift that? mentality of you know super precise um targeting to you know going back to probably broader type of targeting and how that broader targeting or approach can be effective in light of um you know stricter privacy rules so i think there was a sort of you know people seem to think that personalization is going to be able to drive big brand awareness, um, which is just never going to happen and and a nonsense. Um, And obviously, given the new guidelines, which, you know, we should all applaud and is the right thing to do in terms of protecting people's privacy. um, I think, you know, it boils down to education and proof points, doesn't it, really? I think you have to be um, educating constantly with the the people that are influential in in driving this change um, and talking about, you know, investment in long term, whether it's creativity, whether it's strategic planning. and that we have to shape the conversation you know it's all very well to have these sort of siloed conversations but you have to have those conversations with your clients and say how are you going to prove that but you have to do that as a as a as a conversation together so I'm trying to listen to what your client needs um they will say i need to deliver X amount of <laughs> revenue, profit, etc. And that is one facet that they need to, and you can help them with. But the second part is saying, okay, well, we're showing you all sorts of data points here and proof points and research that says investment in brand is tangible and will have a, so we're going to guide you down that road. I mean, that that's all we can do is where where you can influence, try and influence. Where you can educate, try and educate, but do it with proof points. Like that's that's going to help drive where we sort of seem to be in a bit of a, um, a hole with creativity, with long-term investment. If we're all committed to that, you know, there's three of us sat around this table, mm-hmm. you know, if our sort of commitment is that we're going to have two conversations with a, a senior decision maker or a client, uh, yeah. and, you know, it's, it might sound off, but it's, it's true. And then we sort of say, yeah. well, actually, here's a bit of research that we read. And what are you doing in your marketing teams? And, you know, with your field marketers, how do they, how are you working with them? And when you're being asked to deliver X number of leads, okay, we can do that, but we're going to do this piece over here. But so if everybody makes that small change, that well, everyone starts talking about yeah. it um, and committing to some level of change. You are not going to lock stock change this, um, but you have to you have to try and commit some way and and start, you know, start being part of the conversation as well. Hi there, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you did, fantastic news because there'll be even more of it coming next Monday. We'll see you then. Take care, guys. <laughs>